0: or media group
1: when it comes to your investments and retirement in this economy it's important to be smart and with the smart investor hour heard right here on am 1420 the answer you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing so sit back listen and learn with your host of the smart investor hour tim hayes of rbc wealth management good morning everybody let's start off with a
2: couple quotes one to make you smile Start off the day with a smile and get it over with. W.C. Fields. (laughs) The shifts of fortune test the reliability of friends. And uh, Marcus Cicero, Roman statesman, knew it better than anybody. I don't know if you've read anything about him, but you should. I have learned that at least by my experiment, that if one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life which he he has imagined, He will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. Henry David Thoreau. That was from Walden. Okay. um, You know, uh, we always talk about our webpage. So if you Google Tim Hayes radio, uh, I show up and, uh, (laughs) you know, you can always tell it's me because it says, remember, buy low, sell high. And I'll just mention that the, uh, on the bulletin board side, uh, Bob Dickey has been showing some really good technical analysis lately. So, you want to take a look at that. I believe uh, gold is the subject um, that is still on there as of today. will be gone Monday. And Market Week is a weekly newsletter. Uh, we've been talking about interest rates staying lower for longer. And, you know, everybody's talking about the rates going up, but the long bond is, looks like it's made a little bit of a top here. So, And then cybersecurity, there's some strategies for staying safe. I highly recommend it. Um, you know, we also have some information about a data breach, how to protect yourself. So take a look. You know, I had a couple of people call me this week and he said, you know, uh, he and she said, you know, you didn't help me this time. And these are people I have talked to. I've sat down. I've either had coffee with them or they've come into my office. And I said, I'm sorry, but back in May or April, I believe it was, I said, I, I sent something out to anybody who'd come into my taken the time to come into my office. Uh, and I said, or I sat down with them at a McDonald's or whatever it may be, uh, you know, a Starbucks, and I said, it's time to get your ducks in order, every one of them. The fact that you didn't do it is not my problem. <laughs> if you were working with me, you know, you probably had 10 to 20% cash, and, uh, uh, you know, look, me personally, uh, on my portfolios, of all the stocks I own, I had 13 hit a new high last month. 13, after a big sell-off, I had 13 hit a new high, Okay. That's all i got to say. Uh, look, some of so my stocks got beat up, you know, but I had enough cash where I can buy more of them if I need to. And, uh, you know, sometimes you need a tax loss and sometimes you don't. But uh, for the most part, we're in pretty good shape. So we have a newsletter, a uh, December newsletter out. It's called What Happened to Your Money? Uh, it also talks about hybrid funds. They're called balanced lifestyle, lifestyle or target funds. And that talks about, you know, should I review or should you have your estate plan reviewed? And I would suggest yes. All the time, uh, and should I, re- you know, uh, well, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, look, we have a couple uh, i idealists that I think are really important right now. Telecommunications, internet, media, and uh, technology are just getting beaten up, and some of them are going to stay beaten up for a while. Trust me on that. But we had our 2018 RBC Market Technology Internet Media and Telecommunications uh, Conference, and uh, most people who have who have received this loved it. Uh, it's got some of our best analysts and by the way, the, the groups I've been seeing just this last Friday was REITs real estate investment trusts and software. And a lot of those names are in there. So, all right, so let's review a couple things. I said, you know, t- time for financials to step up to the plate. They didn't, they still haven't. So until that happens, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. We, I don't see any leadership and that's the big problem out there, but, if you're gonna buy and I got a nice shopping list of companies that are both technically and fundamentally sound buy quality right at the moment okay don't go out and do crazy stuff uh also we there are some new rules that impact- charitable li- uh giving and if you'd like a copy of uh you know our new report on that um you know i I think it's a good you know quick report so it it doesn't you know bog you down but it gives you an idea and then you you know what your uh accountant's gonna say so um, you know, it's something to grab, all right? Uh, so if you want to, go to your Google Tim Hayes Radio, and on my webpage, there's all sorts of, you know, contact me, email me, that type of thing. Uh, also, you can call us at 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742, and get that information. Now, in case you're wondering, 28 of the 56 volatile days in 2018 have come in October, November, and December. So that's a lot. Uh, That's better than half. February February actually saw 12, interestingly enough. The only year in the past seven years that saw an above-average number of volatile days was 2015, which saw nearly 29% of the volatile days move 1% or more. So what happened this this week um, is the yield curve inverted. It only happened for a day. Uh, And, you know, Don Trump said, I'm a tariff man. And then the yield curve inverted. And uh, what is the yield curve precisely? And what is inversion? Well, um, the yield curve is simply the difference between the short and long-term interest rates. We talk about re- normally the 2 or 5-year and the 10-year. Uh, I talk about the 2-year and 10-year. Uh, the 10-year tre- the Treasury rises when the market anticipates higher growth and higher inflation. Um, bond investors, therefore, uh, demand greater compensation to hold a ten year treasury over a two year treasury 're supposed to anyway a- as the as the f- the further out in the future, the greater the uncertainty obviously so investors you know want to be compensated and uh, but when the two year yield and the ten year yield converge, the yield curve flattens, and time compresses okay so when the ten year fails beneath the, the two year the yield curve is said to invert. And in a sense, the time itself inverts, okay? So the signs that point to the future lead to the past is what it comes down to, and you end up switching places. Thus, an inverted yield curve, the market structure of time, it rewards pursuit of the bird at hand, which means the two-year, okay? An inverted yield curve is nearly a perfect omen of lean days ahead. It means, uh, and I think every time it's, and by the way, the, the yield curve has to stay inverted for more than a couple weeks, not just a day like it did this week. So I'm just for I'm just throwing this out there so you understand. Since 1955, an inverted yield curve has accurately forecast all nine U.S. recessions, all nine of them. Okay, so that's something you have to uh, you have to be you know thinking about. Now the yield curve. Inverted for the first time since July of 2007, which is a pretty big inversion back then. Uh, and, you know, so you got to, you know, start to pay attention. Now, a full, full inversion occurs when the 10-year Treasury slips beneath the two-year yield. And uh, on this segment of the yield curve, this is where all the eyes are centered right now. So, you know, look, you're, you're pretty close to a full inversion as far as I'm concerned. I, I don't think you're 100% there. But if it stays under there, uh, you know, a lot of the times it stayed under there, It stayed under there for a period of time, three weeks, four weeks, in some cases, five, six weeks. Now, uh, you know, you're, part of this problem is, at this particular time, we're getting rid of quantitative easing. That's why, you know, the Fed is having a hard time raising rates because they're not buying bonds. And last year, 2017, we only bought. We only uh, let four hundred billion dollars in bonds mature this year. is eight hundred fifty billion. Next year is six hundred fifty. That eight hundred fifty billion is a lot of money, and it's probably about three eighths of a percent uh, on the Fed funds rate. Now, and you, part of the problem is where are you going to buy bonds uh, to hide with Europe at twenty three basis points on their ten year and minus sixty five basis points on their three year? So the question is, are they just buying yield or? You know, they think that uh, the world's going to end. So, potentially, it takes the, the, you know, the Fed following its public stated game plan of increasing rates of another, you know, five or six or 25 basis points on our quarter of a point in December, you know, might screw them up a little bit. Now, don't forget that when the yield curve flattens, so if this is not an official yield, there is a 65 to 75% chance of a 20% rally in stocks after that. That's what's occurred 60 to 70% of the time. Now, one of the things I did notice is the 10-year Treasury yield now, okay? Yields go up, bonds go down. Yields go down, bonds go up. Has broken both its 50- and 200-day moving average to the downside. Now, we talked about it losing uh, some momentum a while back, and it has now, okay? Now, we did notice that utilities broke out uh, and may have come back, you know, uh, so – We'll see what happens, but that boring sector that we talked about back in April and uh, March is now looking pretty good. Um, Now we did see a couple reversals uh, this week, and and uh, you know we look at the relative strength charts. You you see that uh, you know there's been a couple uh, that were in a column of X's that are now in a column of O's. So you know uh, some of the big names like Apple and a couple other names like that. Now healthcare has become the number two. In dynamic asset level investing that our friends Dorsey Wright provide us with, healthcare is now number two on the list, and they're just behind technology. So healthcare, uh, you know, which we're beating the drum on for a long, long time, has now uh, come all from all the way to the worst <laughs> sector to the best sector. Uh, I am starting to get a shopping list now. Restaurants went favored this week, which is the first time we've seen that in a while, uh, and I'm seeing a lot of good names in that area, and also. I'm seeing a lot of resilience and growth. I'm seeing a lot of names hitting new highs that I own, uh, and I'm not going to let you know who those are. You have to call me or you have to do business with me. I'm also seeing some names that you know likely will pull back that hit new highs that I thought would pull back that look great on the charts. A couple that have actually broken their downtrend line. Okay, so I, I think what you're seeing is that the world's leaning against risk, and they're very nervous. Uh, that's probably the 2019 investment stance. That's what I would suggest. You know, central banks may be the fulcrum for fixed income markets. Uh, monetary policy could diverge as they adjust policies to the varied stages of economic activity. Um, now we see continued growth, but it, you know, it might be a light, late cycle. Some people think it's the beginning of a cycle. If it is late cycle, uh, you know, people are going to de-rest their, their, uh, most of the stuff. Okay. Uh, but anyway, I'll just mention this technology conference I thought was was a brilliant uh, scenario. And uh, there was some really good ideas there, um, very, very good ideas. And I, I picked out three or four that I thought were exceptional, and I'm not going to tell you which ones they are. But uh, it just so happens that, um, uh, you know, there's a couple, couple names out there that I own, a couple names I want to buy. Also, uh, there's a book out by uh michael Batnick. it's called it's called the nifty 50 and it talks about what happened in the 70s the top 50 stocks uh, and the reason i bring that up is that there's the fang stocks now and everybody owns them trust me they're well over owned so we want to be careful with those uh look we're going to take a break and we'll be uh, right back uh this is the smart investor show i'm tim hayes stay tuned Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. And once again, if you missed the first part of the show and you want to listen to it again, remember, um, I think Monday or Tuesday, whatever time uh, they do it here, uh, right around uh, noon, 1 o'clock, the Smart Investor Show is put on a podcast. And uh, uh, you go to WHK 1420 and go down to Tim Hayes or Smart Investor Hour, The podcast is there. You can also go directly to my web page from there. So if you want to get any of the stuff that we've been talking about, we'll take it from there. Uh, So, you know, Thirsty kind of screwed me up because I kind of prepared my show all week long. And what I had seen was the short term trend was improving. We made a nice double bottom right at the 2620 area on the, on the S and P 500. Then we went up and now we went down and tested again. So, uh, But you know, uh, the upper end of the Bollinger band, we hit. We literally came right to it at twenty eight hundred, and then dropped off like a brick. So uh, every every time there's something about the tariffs or or the Fed speaking, uh, (laughs) you know, we get uh, we get knocked for a loop. So it it's a little bit uh, difficult right now. I I think um, you know the closer we get to coming to an end uh, to this tariff war, and uh, you know the Fed saying. We're neutral, uh, would be great, but we are starting to see some of the moving averages move uh, together. But I did notice is that we broke below the 200-day moving average on Tuesday, and we dropped like a brick. We just dropped like a brick. So that that the moving averages seems to be what the quantitative or the or the guys with the machines are uh, are using. All right. So as soon as you get to uh, like we went we went right up. Uh, on the equal-weighted uh, S and P 500 index, we went right above the, to the 50-day moving average, then we turned down as soon as we hit the 200-day moving average. The sell, sell, uh, you know, stuff came in in a big way. But I will say this: I looked at numerous names in the pharma stocks, and uh, man, there's a lot of good-looking charts there. A lot of, a lot of their stocks hitting new highs, by the way, and great dividends. And I'm not telling you which ones I own, but there's a lot of names there that look pretty good. Um, now, there, there's some foreign stocks that have been beaten up a little bit that are starting to break out, uh, and that's in the pharmaceutical area. So, you know, I think the health sector is bullish in, in all the time frames I, I look at it, whether I'm looking at a, a daily chart, uh, you know, a um, a weekly chart or a monthly chart. I mean, they all look really pretty good. And one of the things I am seeing is, uh i'm seeing on balance volume breakout i'm seeing you know relative strength pick up um all the stuff i look for uh you know we're very close to what they call a pmo uh, buy signal in the healthcare area and uh you know the one thing that was very i thought was very positive this week for healthcare is i'm starting to see some of the big biotech names starting to show up you know uh balance of power green or you know a bottom fish you know that type of thing and uh so you know I, that's something to think about uh so despite what is kind of a rotational bear market that we're in right now the healthcare stocks are holding up pretty well uh, now I'm not saying that's going to last forever but uh and I have my favorites you're doing your own homework you do yours uh I'll take it from there now i have seen a lot of the fang stocks break down on on uh on a lot of their um, charts. And the funny thing is those are the calls I'm getting, you know, a lot of, uh, by the way, marijuana stocks are down drastically and nobody wants to buy those anymore. And FANG stocks are down and they're, they're, there's continued selling. And yet, uh, people want to buy them all the time. Now I'm, I haven't seen a big enough base in a lot of these FANG stocks to, to say, Hey, go out and buy them. Okay. I, I just wouldn't, um, I am seeing some of the smaller technology stocks uh break out of big bases. Now these are software companies for the most part and I'm I'm not telling you which ones they are. Uh, that's Matt Hedberg who was in that uh uh you know uh, in the groups that I talked to you about earlier in the show and that is that our big you know RBC has a technology software internet uh uh thing that is really worth mentioning. Uh it's really worth reading that stuff. Those guys like two, three years in a row, I've been knocking a cover off the ball. So we're seeing a lot of names in that area that look pretty good. Now, Dan Shurness, who is our head strategist for all of RBC, had some interesting uh, stuff to say. We had a, a, a call with him today. He said that the uh, global economy slowed in the second half of 2008, a trend that is expected to extend into 2019. Remember I told you I thought the sideways movement would extend into 2019. And, and the reason he cites are tighter financial conditions and increased protectionism, which I think we are pretty much aware of at this point. Um, also, he talks about the leading in indicators. They continue to, to signal an expanding economy despite that, which is interesting. So he says protection, uh, protectionism is among the gravest risks to growth that he's worried about, especially respect the relationship between the, the two world's largest economies. Uh, tariffs between U.S. And, and and China now cover hundreds of billions of dollars, and uh, and you know that's what he's has made main worry. Now there's a ver- variety of other risks that are constantly evolving. You know, Europe it's the Brexit situation, Italy's populist government, uh, tightening fi- you know, financial conditions, and you know that type of thing. And there's a big there's a big challenge for the private sector debt, which has ballooned in size over there. So uh, that's another thing. So although the economy is facing a number of headwinds. Uh, Sustained economic growth and relatively firm inflation are encouraging uh, central banks to dial back monetary accommodation uh, and look there's a lot of money out there. I just think you know what the fed doesn't you know what they 're having a hard time with is when you stop money i mean quantitative easing and you raise interest rates, how much of a draw down do you have uh, you know that type of thing and and that's that 's something you have to think about so uh, but he said you know bond yields have retreated in, in most major regions having you know risen to multi-year highs you know we've been saying all along that we thought that there would be a scenario where uh, we would uh, simply see bonds go sideways for a really long time lower for longer I think I've been saying for a while and um, so you know he he talked about the S&P 500 the rally in September to the new high with very few stocks uh, participating but he's talking about pol- political uncertainty, slower global growth, and all that stuff, which everybody's heard of before, and it's, it's nothing new. So we know it's out there. Uh, we are seeing some stry- signs of stress in the volatility uh, versus the yield curve. A steep yield curve is generally associated with calm stock markets. A flattening yield curve, a lot more volatile. Uh, the high yield spread, uh, is, is uptick in high yield bonds. Uh, we talked about this earlier. Uh, we had a high yield up past five percent to just recently you know uh, two thousand seven two thousand eight it was at twenty percent so it was a big number um, so you know he's looking at that and he's also looking at short term interest case and and he thinks it's a good reason you know right at the moment to pause uh, you know for future you know just to see how things are going look um i I, I was looking at the the core market okay you know the the top Top uh, stocks, okay. The top fifty hundred, and I, I made a case that you know we had kind of a uh, we fell out of a re- reverse head and shoulders, meaning it looked like we were making a big bottom, and then we died. Uh, so, um, some some other technicians they they may say the pattern is still in force and still in play. Uh, I don't, but if it's true, this this is a bullish technical development and goes in favor of the bulls. Uh, it would be considered a big W pattern now, okay. Um, that that might be forming. So we'll see what happens. What you can also see in the futures version of the S and P's are are kinds of lines, uh, you know, like this or that or the other. And you know, we we can draw them all. But uh, you know, when we're drawing drawing trend lines, we can probably make you know a case for about five or six different things. But most important line in this case is the big the big red one, as I call it, and that's the one at the bottom. And that's uh, in the S and P five hundred is around twenty six hundred. And the Dow it's around twenty four thousand. Um, if indeed they raise rates, and we break that number, you know, then I'd get, I'd start to not be so positive for the short term. Um, but there's a string of higher uh, point and figure, figure bottoms here. So you know, from the sell-off in, in November, we we hit a bottom back in February. Um, actually, was, I think it was the first week of March, and we've made a series of higher lows. Okay. We've also made a series of higher highs. It's just there's a 9% gap between the two, which is uh, a big problem. So, uh, you know, I think if you continue to look at this and and say, you know, what am I thinking? You know, good question. Now, the one thing you you might want to be doing is, you know, continue utilities continue to hold the number one spot. They sold off the last couple of days. The money market reading, the money market percentile reading climbed all the way up to 48% this week. That's a pretty high number. So if that were to go over to 50, uh, then I'd have to change my mind a little bit, you know. uh, So I think there'd be a couple things that you, you know, have to pay pretty close attention to if that occurs. Now, I am seeing a couple things that I, I, you know, have liked. Uh, One is, uh, you know, look, if I looked at the implied momentum curve for the S&P 500, if I looked on October 29th, we had, in you know, uh, this is uh, Jim Yates uh, from the the option report, his old stuff. But he had six zones. We only had four stocks in zone six, which is overbought, and then zone one, we had two thirds of the S and P 500. Uh, now, one month later, uh, we have about 15 stocks in zone six, and we only have about wait, you know, most of the stocks are in zone two, three, and four, uh, almost. Three quarters, by the way. So it's just a different type of uh, marketplace at this point. And what I think we're going to do is we're probably going to come back and test that one more time. So the bullish case is this, that we're making this big W pattern, okay? Uh, The bearish case is if we break 2,600 on the S&P 500 or 24,000 on the Dow. And I guess we're going to find out next week because, uh, you know, we have the uh, the Fed – Raising rates. And I think it's pretty much, I mean, I know it and 90% of the people I know in the business know it and most of the people that watch CNBC know it. So the question is, is it in the market already? And I think it's not only going to be what the Fed says, but it's going to be, uh, you know, it, it, what they do and what they say. So that's the important part. Now, look, I think it's a perfect time right now to look at dividend growth ideas. You know, dividend growth is fantastic for people in their 40s and 50s and 60s because what you're doing is you're buying high quality. You can't fake a dividend, ladies and gentlemen. You can't. So the dividend growth portfolio is something that I'd be buying. I'd be calling Tim for. You don't have to buy it. Uh, calling Tim for and getting it and and just taking a look at the names. I I know what names. I, you know Every Friday I review the that in the prime income list to see what names I should be buying the next week. Uh, but that would something I'd be very very much interested in so by the way you can catch me on linkedin too if you uh if you'd like hey let's take a break and this is a smart investor show we'll be right back with a bullish percent. We're back. If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And once again, if you don't, uh, you want to see who I am, or you want to uh, take a look at Bob Dickey's our head technical strategist charts, uh, just Google Tim Hayes Radio, and uh, I show up. It says buy low, sell high. Uh, it also has on the right side uh, a bunch of information on our Market Watch, which is our weekly newsletter. Bob Dickey's technical analysis, a few other things about interest rates, etc. Um, if you'd like any of the information that we talked about on the show, the Dividend Growth Portfolio, or our telecommunications, internet media uh, conference uh, update, let us know. I'd especially take a look at Dividend Growth Portfolio. Uh, it's highly recommended for me. Um, by the way, uh, when you if you email me and you want to hit a contact me or an email me or you call 888-223-7742, I'm going to add you to our newsletter <laughs> just because that's what I do. Uh, Okay, so we always talk about insiders, and insiders are important because they know the stocks better than we do. They know their companies better than we do, and I I think it's very, very interesting uh, that in this time of upheaval, I'm seeing more quantity, I mean, just more insiders buy than any other time I've seen when the market's been down like this. So here we have all these people buying. Why? Hmm. Uh, Well, let's talk about one of the first ones. the 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 acting CEO of Intel. He's he's really the CFO, but he's the acting CEO until they find a new one. Just bought about two hundred seventy thousand dollars worth of stock. Now he owns a lot. He owns like about one hundred forty five thousand shares. So I like when they start to buy when stocks are down because this is you know the high on this was about fifty seven, and it's now forty nine, and. It would be interesting to see if anybody else follows suit. Uh, Then uh, we saw another one uh, that we really are, you know, we thought was pretty interesting. Acadia Pharmaceuticals. Uh, It was a company that uh, got beat up pretty bad. They had, you know, a lot of the biotechs got beat up. And these particular people bought in the 2728 area. It's now 1819. And they bought 11.7 million shares. That's $200 million. That ain't chump change. <laughs> and that's the Baker brothers, who you may know, back when biotech was actually alive and kicking at one point, they were the one of the top three money managers, long only, on the planet. Okay? So they now own 39.85 million shares. Uh, that is about... 25, 26% of the company. So uh, you like seeing that. Uh, so the stock's down, they come up, and they, they uh, bought some more. By the way, there was also a gentleman by the name of John Kaiser, and he bought $39 million of in, in November on November 12th, and he's a VP of Strategic uh, Marketing and co- uh, Commercial Development, and I I don't know if he's just acting for someone or whatever, but that's two people now with about 25-26% of the company. Uh he he obviously works for them, so I don't think there's any kind of takeover or anything like that but I thought that was interesting. I don't I don't know how he went about buying it. I don't know if he's a very wealthy man or not but we'll find out. Uh Intercom Communications uh the chairman emeritus who I've mentioned several times who owns well over 10% had three buys this week of 675,000. Now he bought some at 10 Bought Some at 11, he's bought some at six, he's bought some at eight, he's bought some at five, so he's been all over the map. He just bought three, three, three more buys of 670,000 on an average each. Those are pretty big numbers, uh, especially when you're a 10% owner. And then, uh, Mohawk Industries, uh, this gentleman bought back in uh, October at 155 or something like that. Now, at 121, he's buying some more. And it's Philippe Balsian. he's a director, he had two buys. One of 5.542 million and the other of 4.180 million. Uh, and remember, he bought a, a ton of about $20 million worth of stock just a couple weeks ago. So here's another interesting one Beacon uh, Roofing. Uh, you know, we had uh, quite a few people buy. We had the president and CEO buy 101000 shares, $101,000, I'm sorry. Uh, the chairman of the board bought hundred forty nine thousand we had a director by one hundred sixty five another director by two hundred twenty nine another director by three hundred and thirty seven then finally one director by another director buying four hundred sixty seven thousand so that's a lot that's you know we have multiple buyers and well over a million dollars uh worth and it's beacon roofing supply um you know the the stock was fifty five is now in the thirty four area so that's another one to take a look at and then sprouts farmers market this was actually featured in Barrons on friday um we had uh, one gentleman buy a director by two million dollars worth. The CEO owns a ton of it, uh, by two hundred thirty thousand, and the commercial uh, chief, uh, marketing officer, bought one hundred fifteen thousand. So about two point five million in all. Uh, the stock was twenty nine just a couple months ago. It's twenty three right now. And then our good friend uh, at um, oh shoot uh, at at uh, Zillow. Uh, Jay Hogue, who had bought a whole bunch of stock last week, bought some more. He bought about another $13, $14 million. So he continues to buy quite a bit of uh, stock. Um, he's a director on, uh, on Zillow. Also, Dave Nellis, uh, who was the original buyer in American Asset Trust, and you may recall that he bought this back in May at, at uh, March, I guess it was, at $30. It's now $41. Uh, so he, he bought another $1 million worth at forty one sixty five. So, obviously, this is a REIT, and it's uh, done well. And then, Trineso, which is in uh, consumer goods, mostly rubber and plastics. We had two buyers, both of $1.1 million worth. Uh, so, it's always good to see that. Uh, uh, by the way, another stock that's been beaten up, it was a $80 stock. It's now forty eight thirty three. So, these people are taking, uh, believe me, I've never seen this big a list of insider buys, you know, normally it's three to four times as many sales. So it's uh, here. We have a market that's fallen apart a little bit. And, and, uh, the insiders are buying like with both hands. I mean, the, the insider ratio is very bullish. So there we go. All right. Well, I, um, I was looking at semiconductors and, and I, you know, they were the first to start to correct. Uh, they started correcting uh, about this time last year. And, um, you know, it, it was, it was kind of uh, interesting. They started to, to to do a little bit better. You know, the S and P was down about six. They were about ten for the year, um, or ten for the month. I'm sorry. And I started to see some ideas, you know, f- form. And I started to see some uh, nice looking charts. Uh, uh, one that I've owned for a long, long time. And uh, but it it, it kind of died. So uh, no. But what we're seeing is, um, you know. I think that, you know, we we saw the bounce from last week, and then we saw the sell off But, you know, uh, on Tuesday, then we saw, you know, we were down 700, 800 on uh, Thursday, and we saw the bounce, and then we, we reversed back down. So we're seeing two lines drawn in the sand. One is 2,620 or 2,600, uh if you want to be exact, uh on the S&P 500, and the other is around 2,800 or 2,820. So whichever we break first will tell us which direction we're going. And uh, I think there's enough bad news where there's a possibility that, you know, we could break that 2,600. Then I think we have to be uh, paying a little bit more attention, but uh, look, I I, I saw a couple things. I think there's three sore points um, in the market right now. Uh, Number one, the trade war is about uh, more than trade. It's, It's about dominance. And, uh, if if you there's a new book coming out, and I'm going to review it next week about AI, artificial intelligence. And we're losing that war, folks. So uh, so I think it's 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 that's very interesting because it's more than just a trade war. Um, also, the yield sign. And then, you know, what we're looking at right now is uh, uh, we had a day worth of an inverted curve. So we get two or three weeks of that. Then we have to pay attention. And then I think the other thing that's kind of a sore point is I think we're you know the English may be backing off the uh, Brexit uh, scenario, so uh, it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens there. So we we have a lot of things going that uh, you know could be a, a bit of a problem, and you know I, I still see this Dow Jones with this upward forming triangle pattern. Uh, it's got a series of higher lows. It's got a series of higher highs uh, from that. January fell sell-off, uh, but we're still in this range, and it's about a 10% range. So, um, so we're right now we're in that downward pull again uh, within this ongoing trading range of the past year, and in the process of testing the low end of the range on news that seems to be taken as bullish one day and bearish the next, which is a problem. Uh, the short-term swings and the and the news and, and the concerns that go along with the market moves are certainly distracting. Uh, overall and you know so we, we just don't know what's going on so you know one day we have a surge one day we go down now we did say that you know the 10 year and the 30 year Treasury yields were at a point where we saw a little bit of a double top and, and we thought the momentum was slipping so it, it'll be interesting uh, if we break 2.8 uh, that that is where the major support on the on the yield is so if we break 2.8 things could get really interesting uh, my humble opinion now, there's a couple other things. Uh, you know, oil is almost 100% oversold at this point. So uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I was going to say that, and but we had the bounce on Friday, so I, I uh, held back a little bit. The other thing I've been talking about is gold. And uh, I'll probably send this uh, out to some people. But, look, uh, the trend on gold has been quietly trading in a slowly improving trend over the past three months. And uh, more recently has been gaining some momentum they could help it carry up above the first resistance level. Okay. Uh, The combination of uh, possibly topping dollar along with other inflation and economic concerns could be uh, just enough of a catalyst for the, for rally on the metal. Uh, So the question is, will it rally for good? And uh, I don't know about that. And once again, I'll mention that the emerging markets are, have broken out. So we'll just leave that as it is. All right. So what would I do now? Um, Look, I, I think it's a great time to increase the quality of your portfolio or start to think about increasing the, the quality of your portfolio. Remember this week, restaurants went to favorite status and we had telecom. So there's some pretty good names in there. But in the dividend growth portfolio, is a great place to act. I also think you want to, you know, Noah didn't start building the ark when it started raining, okay? the the, um, the telecommunications, internet, media, and technology conference that we had has a lot of good ideas in it, uh, you know. It's just it. It's the the analyst. I work on the uh, technical side, just so you know. So the technical and the fundamental together usually are the best place to go. Dividend growth portfolio or that I'd be looking at. Also the prime income list might be a good place to uh, put some money to work. Uh, there's a lot of good names there. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Uh, you know, remember our web page. You you go to Google Tim Hayes Radio or Bing Tim Hayes Radio. Hit the contact me. Check out Bob Dickey while you're there. Have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm
1: Tim Hayes. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash hayes. That's all one word in the address bar rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.